Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Prove that I, I can play at that level. Some of my best games are against some of the top teams in the world. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling, it's anyone's game What a weekend it was to look back upon We have our All-Ireland finalists for 2022 set in stone It will be once again Limerick and Kilkenny Just as it was 12 months ago Limerick 224 to 118 victors over Galway on Saturday evening. Yesterday, of course, Kilkenny beating Clare by the three points at Crow Park. I know someone who was there to witness the latter, for sure, at Croker yesterday evening was the former Kilkenny goalkeeper, David Herity. David, you're very welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, Richie. How are you keeping? Not too bad. Um, how are you getting on and how are your, your, your uh, jealousy levels and envy levels given the amount of praise that has been thrown the way of Owen Murphy the past 24 hours or so? <laughs> if this was about... If it was about 10 years ago, I'd be a bitter man there, to be honest with you. If I was sub-goalie and he was in goal, I wouldn't be a happy man. No, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't care. If, if I'm uh, if I'm a sub to him and he's playing well, I'm not a happy man. There's, there's, there's no two ways about it. I spent years looking at him. He came in onto the setup in um, in 11 and 12 with myself. Like Owen is a, is a fabulous lad, just first and foremost. Mm. Just, he's a, an amazing lad. He came, in, he came in with very little goalkeeping. He'd won a minor All-Ireland. I think back in 2008, but had done very little else as far as goalkeeping. Um, came in with us. I remember before 11 final, we were playing tip. He scored 3-3, ironically enough, against Peter Donovan, who's the, now the current selector or coach. And it was the last training session. I remember then lads were kind of thinking, Jesus, this lad is... You know, he was third choice keeper behind myself, PJ, and then him. But he went outfield and he scored 3-3. And lads were like, Jesus, right. We didn't really know who he was because he'd come from the minor grades and the 20s. And we kind of then kind of stood up and went, Jesus, this lad can hurl. And in 12, then he was given a chance against Cork uh, in the league. One of the first uh, league games, Brian Tolham on the Friday night, hadn't, he hadn't played outfield at all. He was sub-goalie in the first, in the Walsh Cup in the first few rounds. Brian played him corner four, took him off, I think after 25 minutes or half time, And that was the end of his outfield experience. Yeah. And then he concentrated on goal. And then at... Uh, Stupidly enough, it, after we played tip in the semi-final, I um, got land, landed on my arse by uh, Lark Corbett. Pat Burke picked up the ball and hit into the back of the net. And the very next training session, then Brian asked me what Owen was like. And, you know, if, if you could ever go back in a time machine and correct one statement, it would be the fact that uh, I went along and said to him, whenever he gets the jersey, no one will ever take it off him. Basically, he's that good. Like yeah. he and he was, he was phenomenal. He was, he was sub goalie that year to me. But everything we do, I, I'd play a match and I wouldn't be happy with something. So I'd make sure that we designed some sort of a drill to try and rectify it that I, I wouldn't make the same mistake the next day. But while I'd be doing it, he, you know, he'd get it after minute one or minute two. Like he, he'd just be able to do something. Like he's only small. He's very five foot eight, maybe or nine, but he can catch balls going over the bar. And I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't get my head around him. Like he, he was that good. Like um, first training session, two thousand thirteen. So after that, we went on. I stayed in goal, obviously for the the other and re, the drawn game and the replay. And then in two thousand thirteen, the very first training session, Brian and Martin Fogarty took me into the medical room and said, uh, "Change is happening. Change happens." And that was that. Uh, basically, Owen was going to be in for two thousand thirteen, but they could see what I could see. He's 
his touch is off the charts. His reflex saves. I know he's he's you know the save, and he's obviously he's getting rightfully he's getting the the praise for that. But I thought the catch that he he did going over the bar in the first half was just mm. incredible. Like I, I I went there was a point where I was so depressed in looking at him and trying to find a way of beating him, getting back in ahead of him, that I went to the GPA. I went to uh, Fran O'Reilly in the in the GPA and. Not that he was kind of like a counselor, but he was kind of like a counselor, and uh, he, he was kind of he used to help the players. And I just said to him, "Jesus, I, I don't know what to do. I was injured kind of on and off, and I, I was kind of going, I don't know how to get the better of him." And the only thing we kind of came up with eventually, after about an hour and a half in the Crown Plaza, was that I had more experience than him, which I kind of did, and I, I that kind of that honestly helped me sleep at night. Anytime he'd do something amazing in the match, I'd kind of go, yeah, look, I've got more experience than him. He's, he played very little in the goal, really. Between that minor and then the few, the small bit then with Kenny Seniors, he had very little experience. There was a few kind of balls that go into the square and there'd be a small bit of indecision because you wouldn't know whether to control or to call the full back to go for it or for him to go to it. That only happens with experience. But then by the end of two or three years, that's all he needed was that. And then he was always going to become the best keeper of all time. The only the only thing I'm surprised at is that he hasn't gotten a player of the year. That's the only thing. I I, 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 think, I don't think there'll ever be a keeper like him. Anyone that's ever played with him knows how good he is. So like basically that save two minutes into out of time yesterday came as no surprise to you, or at least his ability to pull it off because... The sequence of events is just so quick and like it, it's almost unfathomable to think that there is a thought process quick enough to allow that save to happen, that Peter Duggan gets a shot away as quickly as he does, completely on the volley, and then Owen being able to throw himself up, being able to stick the hurl up in the air and tip it onto the bar. That it, it, it It's in a flash, but it's no surprise to you. None whatsoever, no. If you went back over the last, since he made his debut in 13, that's 10 years, I'd say you could put a 10-minute video together and only a little fight about you know 10 second clips you can put a 10 minute video together of all his saves like the amount of things that he's done over he can pull off even the, no one's talking about the Shane O'Donnell save it's routine enough but it's just like okay I'm actually more surprised when someone scores a goal on him in a match I, I, I rate him that I think when, I, when I'm thinking of him I just think I don't know how he's going to let in a goal I just can't see him letting in a goal Um. So when someone does eventually score, I'm always then kind of critiquing, like, Jesus, how did they manage that, what, uh, what they did? And he's, um, another big surprise is that he's only got three All-Stars. I know he, he probably is red off favourite now for the fourth one, but he's, uh, he's yeah, he's taught, he's taught like, he, and then when he brings that to the outfield, his ability to be able to come off the line, his first touch, you could see him on the ball, even you remember in the Leinster final, there was a bit of a ruck happening around the 21, he raced out, he won us, just burst out of it. He's an incredibly explosive uh, speed. He's um, just all around. He and again, I read. I, I was reading books on this about to try and get my head right about Owen Murphy. That uh, Jesus, what is? The, it's the book that basically you're born with certain things. Yeah. Like I, I tried to, I tried to do everything I could between thirteen and fourteen um, to get back into to get back into goal. And I, I Jesus, I nearly stopped eating any kind of sweets. I, I got myself down to 5% body fat just to try and be better. That's what I was thinking. I was trying to do box jumps. I had my own personal trainer. And in the end, I just had to kind of admit that you cannot catch a ball going over the bar like him. Like You, you can't do what he's doing. You have your own attributes and your own skills and maybe yours is communication or yours is maybe puck outs the distance in your pocket, which would have been a small bit longer than his. 
But to try and do what he's doing, no one can do it. Certain people are born with these. I don't know what the book is. It's kind of like, it's, it goes back to the kind of, you know, why, why sprinters, why a, a lot of them are from, you know, they're African-Americans, whatever. They have that mm. ability, why, why certain lads are brilliant swimmers. It's in their genes, basically. And Owen is just has one of these lads that has a, whatever reactionary saves that he can pull off. The two-handed save, I, I, tried, I was at home there last night um, trying to think, right, someone's taking a shot. What would I do? I'm definitely flat-footed. I definitely try and go out with one hurdle, but it's in the back of the neck by the time I react. Yeah. He's able to get two hands, jump up into the air, do a swivel, top, tip it onto the crossbar, and then jump straight back up again. And then have the thought process, well, that's still going on in your head. The next thing he does then is pick out Adrian Mullen, who's Mark and Mark Rogers, as a complete mismatch on one side of the field, when clearly probably the safety thing to do would be to launch it down on top of Wally Welch. But he picks out, sees this, picks out Adrian Mullen, who picks out Park Welch, who gets the insurance point there. Of the third, put Kilkenny three points ahead, which ensures that mm. the game is probably going to go to extra time, but definitely don't want to lose it. That's probably nearly even more impressive. Do, like, did you ever speak to, well, we'll get, we'll get on to the, uh, the match itself, but I'm, I'm interested in this. Did you ever speak to other goalkeepers, maybe not necessarily Kilkenny goalkeepers, maybe not even necessarily Ireland goalkeepers, to talk about that position of essentially just being in one-on-one combat with somebody else or maybe there's someone else in, in the mix as well for that position or even dealing with not being able to get back in the team and now you went to the GPA but there's there's a different mindset about being a goalkeeper there's a lot of funneling of thought and funneling of time whereby you've got all the time in the world until suddenly you don't on the pitch and you suddenly have to make that snap decision out of nowhere what way to go and try and make a save did you ever speak to any of your fellow goalkeepers about that kind of stuff? James McGarry would have been uh, our support, you know, he, he would have probably done a few drills with us, so he would have been kind of the goalkeeping coach, but James wouldn't have been the easiest man to talk to. Um, I know I texted him after one match when Tipperary scored five goals. I mean, I was kind of going, can you just talk me through the five goals? He, he never got back to me. <laughs> um, that was just, uh, it, it just, I suppose the, the, the thought process around Kilkenny would have always been when I came in initially, on the whole goalkeeping side of things, uh, I, I remember asking Martin Fogarty, can I go and goal for training? Like, sorry, just to puck around before training because James and PJ Ryan used to just puck the ball across the field before training. Big high balls and there's lettering balls about 50, 60 yards away from each other, just low along the ground and high. And I was just thinking, I used to think to myself, well, like the first while I was in, you know, can I just, it probably would be better if the goalie did at some point, step into the goal before a match. Mm. So I asked Martin, could I do it? And, and I was basically told, PJ and James don't do it. Um, so so nearly it was frowned upon for me to go into the goal, um, even before training. But time moves on, obviously. And then when Owen came in, we'd have, we'd have very good battles up there. The only thing I would say was, Owen did pick up a lot of injuries. He picked up, he's picked up a fair few concussions in his time between playing outfield and stuff. So there was always a chance that he'd get back in again. But even in 14, I trained, geez, I trained like a dog between 13. I wasn't in goal and 13 was dropped. Between 13 and 14, I trained and trained and trained, never took a minute off and uh, went straight, basically hit the ground running in 14. And then we had a nice little battle again. where We were switched over every second game between Walsh Cup and League. I made a mistake against Dublin. He got back in again, but then he got injured against Galway after seven minutes in the Leinster semi-final. And I got back in then for the Leinster for the Leinster final and the all Ireland semi-final. So that was probably the biggest, if I could pick one highlight of my own career, is the fact that I kept him off the field or kept him off the team 
for two matches anyway. I would have liked to have gotten the final, but he, he uh, yeah, he was just he was phenomenal in that, yeah. that between that semi final and final again. He was he was brilliant. But I was looking up during that time. I honestly, you know, I'd be looking up videos online. I'd be looking up sub goalies. So basically, I remember getting kind of a bit of enjoyment. I think it was some Arabian lad was brought on in the 88 minute, a sub goalie. But I was watching videos just to try and show that, like, this actually does happen. Yeah. That you do get back in if you're a, a sub goalie and stuff like that. But I was finding anything anywhere to give me a bit of hope that this lad would eventually give me a chance. So um, I don't pity the likes of Darren Brennan, who's there, a sub goalie. But there's always, like I said, there's always just that small bit of a hope. Owen, or sorry, not hope, as a sub-goalie. Owen does pick up injuries, the way he plays, the way kind of he throws himself around the place, it can happen. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a terrible position. It's really horrible. Like even getting dropped for the final in 14, uh, Park Welch was dropped and I was dropped. And I remember picking potatoes, like crying my eyes out the, the, the day before the All-Ireland. And I, I, I texted Park, just basically, you know, you can come on. But in my own head, it was like, Jesus, you're never going to play with Kenny again. Like, just the the thoughts of, it was such a lonely position, uh, sub-goalie. It's, it's just, it is horrible. You, you get such a miserable amount of time on the field of play and you just got to put in all the work. And yet you've got to be so ready before a match because at any point, Jesus, a stray sitter before a match can crack, which happened before in a club game, can crack a keeper in the in the sore place and he can drop down and you're in. Like, it just you just have to be ready and it's a, yeah, it's a very unselfish. It's, it's a very, it's a, it's a position where you just have to keep your thoughts together. The only thing I would ever say to a sub goalie is as well, and, and I did speak to Alan Nolan about this because we would have been, I would have lived in Dublin, I would have met Alan a few times and stuff, and um, I would have said to him, as long as, as long as you're in the championship, you have a chance of playing. So just keep the head, basically. Remember, I was in thirteen, yeah. and that's what I'd say to any sub keeper: you always have a chance of playing. Uh, once you stay in championship, but just don't don't regret, don't not put in the preparation, get a chance and then blow it. You just you need to be on the ball the whole time as a subkeeper. That concludes our therapy session for today. Uh, David, it's delighted to I will see you next week. No, we'll get on to the match itself because um that the save aside, like it was it was an incredible spectacle yesterday, uh, for the fact that it was so ebb and flow and there were different elements to it. There was the use of the sweeper system in the first half by Claire. But what strikes me is that we've gotten to uh, essentially an All-Ireland final in a couple of weeks' time with Kilkenny there. And this is all in Derek Ling's first season in charge. And it doesn't seem to have been any major... People were worried about this massive transition that there might be between between Brian Cody and himself. It hasn't, hasn't happened. The, the, the seamless transition has been quite something to behold over the past few months. And I think you saw that in microcosm yesterday. Oh, he was. He, I thought he was phenomenal. Um, I sat... I sat in row G directly behind the, the selectors yesterday. And I'm delighted I did. I was going to move because I thought we'd get absolutely drowned in the game. Mm. And we didn't. And I just, just looking at him, the way he works the line, the way he seems in complete control, the, the difference between himself as a manager as well. And what I noticed kind of with a lot of managers, they're there. A lot of, a lot of what they do is just roaring and bawling and shouting. There's not, you know, come on lads and let's keep going. And there's no, there's absolutely nothing to what they're saying. He was at different stages. He was directing just small little calls, getting small little messages into the halfbacks. I remember at one point Owen Murphy came over, um, ran over to him and just asked him a question. He was like, just calm and collected, gave him what he wanted then. I just even thought that that was so refreshing as well to see that Owen, that there's an openness there to kind of come over and go, what should I do here? Okay, perfect. Gave us a few, few um, cents and, and back he went again. 
He was directing traffic. I remember then kind of the second half when Clare were getting on top. Again, no roar, no no wastage of energy on the sideline given out to referees. He'd have a few bits of words there maybe to the to the linesman all right, but but again in a very kind of a, a controlled manner, just like we've noticed that. I'm not happy with that. And the, the, the linesman would say, you know, basically that's fair enough. But he came over then to the, the rest of the selectors and he he was like, We need energy. And that was it. Just we need energy. Go sort whatever we've we've clearly we've clearly worked on this. We've mm-hmm. clearly spoken about this. And then they went with Keen Kenny, Wally Welch. And again, I thought the two boys, you know, the two boys changed up the, the way the, the game was played then. Wally Welsh was an outlet on that half forward and trim win ball and Keen Kenny came deep and Kenny then stopped driving long, long ball up. They started playing the ball through Keen Kenny and then were able to get that ball over the wall and back into the full forward line. But he, he brings with a massive amount of experience. Like he's you can look at him as a as a rookie manager in one way, but he's been involved player in in uh was that ten um what was yesterday? Yesterday was his 17th All-Ireland semi-final between player, selector and manager. And he's won 14 of them now. So like, he's a lot of experience there mm. between everything. He's been in the dressing room. He knows what it takes. It's not like he's coming in just off the back of, of managing some sort of a club team and now he's in charge of Kilkenny. He's he's done his time there as selector for six years, has learned a huge amount of how, I'm sure, how things are done right and wrong the day of a match from his own time and then obviously being in the dressing room how the players are feeling he's only retired back since 2010 there's not a whole lot of time there and then on top of that he's prepared a team to win an All-Ireland um, and Kilkenny hadn't won an All-Ireland in God knows how many years between senior, minor and under 20 and he came along and broke that back so it is it is incredible how seamless the whole transition has been I, I'm I'm amazed but it, it's obviously yeah, I know he's, he's, he's had his own bit of fortune there with the whole Killian Buckley go there the last day but for to get into three finals in your first year as manager just shows what an incredible job he has done. Absolutely. I have to ask about that sweeper system deployed by Clare in the first half. Like, you played in uh, Kilkenny, when as a Kilkenny team, not in their pomp, but you played in a Kilkenny team that, that was in their pomp. When you saw a side deploy a sweeper like that, do you think that that's conceding, uh, I guess, the, the front foot nature of the game to a side like Kilkenny yesterday? Because it felt like you're kind of, you know, saying, "Well, we know what's going to come from ye. We're going to uh, factor against that." That seems to be putting yourself in the back foot immediately, and that pretty much seemed to be the case in the first half from Clare yesterday. It did, it did, and they haven't done it all year. I would kind of wonder if, if see, it, it's counteractive here now. Uh, what I'm going to say are kind of productive that that yes, you have Richie Reid clearing the ball on one side of the field, and because of that, he's getting great balls into. The full forward line of TJ Reid and Owen Cody there, and they're running at, at Clare, and they look like they're going to get goals at any second. They're going to get goals, which is exactly then why Brian Blown put a sweeper in there. And maybe if they hadn't put a sweeper in there, Kenny would have had three goals up at half time. And then you could go back and again, all the armchair critics would turn around and go, "Well, why didn't they put in a sweeper?" We, you know, you saw they scored four goals against Galway. You saw the damage that Dublin were doing against uh, against Clare. Maybe we should have had a sweeper in. You know. I would give a huge amount of credit to Brian Lawn for changing it up at halftime and not going along and just saying, right, this is not working. Let's keep doing what we're doing. And, and he got enough stick there when he was playing Keen Nolan on Aaron, uh, or sorry, Galan in the in the Munster final. But he actually changed it up at halftime. 
he pushed up in the second half and things went well. And who knows, just the way that Kilkenny team were playing in the first half, they easily could have had another goal or two. Again, it's all about timing. And, and, you know, if Mark Rogers gets that goal, if Conor Fogarty gives up that block and the ball's in the back of the net, no one's talking about the sweeper system. It's just, it's the small little moments happen in the game and then everyone reacts and everything is done incorrectly. Owen Murphy doesn't make that save and Claire score that goal and just say to go on to win the, the game by a point or in after extra time. And everyone's then talking about what a genius Brian Lowen was then for playing the sweep in the first half, but changing up, having the kind of the the calmness and the composure then to go along and understand, right, this is not going well. Let's change it up in the second half. But he didn't. And now everyone's going back to the, the sweeper system. It probably wasn't, in hindsight, it wasn't a great idea. If you were playing against Kilkenny and they play with a sweeper system, it, it, again, it depends on the type of play. Some teams do it, and I know that's the way they play it. Like mm. they, they, they are excellent then are working the ball out in their trees, in the triangles, working it out and shooting from distance. They're phenomenal. A lot of, a lot of teams can do that. Um, but then there's other teams where you know, right, they're actually shitting themselves here and they, they're deploying the, the sweeper because of that. So I, I would say there was a little bit more of Clare were just very fearful that that Kilkenny team with the amount of goals that they'd gotten off Mossy Cohen, off there was there was eight goals between Mossy Cohen and Owen Cody heading into the match. I think they were just fearful, especially after the Leinster final. Like Kenny, this game could be over if Kenny got cracked in two or three goals. Going into a semi final, fearful though of the other side, you don't necessarily yeah. want to do that. Like that is starting on the back foot. You're better off putting yourself forward. And God knows, Claire had the horses to do that, as they showed, I guess, in that first period of the second half, that they could, when they were actually playing their own game they could put it up to a side like Kilkenny. Like, for me, I'd like you, you've probably seen this better where you were, it, there was a, I know uh, Don Logue talk, talked about this in the Sunday game last night, there was an economy about Kilkenny and that they're able to get their scores away. They're able to go from back to front quicker. Uh, Clare wanted to play through the hands a little bit more. It took a little bit out of the ball and therefore would give Kilkenny time to scramble and get players in position and maybe do enough to block that score and I guess you kind of saw that bear out with the amount of wides that Clare had but it was a quickness of play and a quickness of thought for Kilkenny that wasn't there for Clare particularly in that kind of middle section of the game Yeah I thought Adrian Mullen well like if Richie Reid is back playing centre back and he's he's just outstanding again you're talking about keepers he's he was uh, the the third choice keeper to myself and Owen back in, in 13 and 14 he has he has wonderful hands. He has wonderful distribution in everything he's doing. But but Adrian Mullen was just a, a colossal there. Him being back, I don't know if there's... I would say if you're talking about the Kenny team in their pomp, for me, there's two players that you'd guarantee would be on the team. And Adrian Mullen would be in there around midfield fighting with the likes of Rice and Chan and McFenley and the likes of Owen Cody then up front. These two lads are just absolute brutes for work rate. Their skill levels just get 1A between the two of them. It's... Uh, they were phenomenal. Adrian Mullen just sitting back into the pocket. Richie Reid being able to work it out. David Blanchfield was excellent at showing for a lot of ball and then switching the ball into Adrian Mullen. And then he's like telepathic himself and Owen Cody then spraying that ball into the corner then for Owen to be able to pick it up and work off that. Um, so I, 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 Kenny were, were excellent in what they did, definitely. Second half then, I think they deserve huge credit then for changing up their play once again when Clare got on top of them to play the ball through the lines to make sure that this, uh, they were nullifying that that wall that was there in the half-back line and then get that ball, try and change up the way the style of play. But it was uh, some, of the, some of the hurling in that first half was exceptional. 
that comes down to, I think as well, to the familiarity of the actual occasion to get into a lead like that. Someone came out with a stat there yesterday that um, Tony Kelly between club and county has played nine times in Crow Park in his career. And that was TJ Reid's 56th time in Crow Park yesterday. Like, there's, there is a difference. There's These lads can settle in. And I think there was that possibly a fear factor with Brian Lone. And he thought to himself, let's just get to halftime. If we get to halftime, we can power on. And maybe if they'd have got that Mark Rogers goal, the few other points, the one that Owen Murphy caught over the bar, maybe they would have, and maybe they would have uh, bet on. Maybe if that ball hadn't been turned over by Rory Hayes, Clare would have won. It's uh, they were just fierce, unlucky. Yes, there were a few decisions that went against them. Would would you regard one of those unlucky decisions when Colin Lyons blew it up uh, early, seemingly anyway, and and you know it didn't allow that goal to to transpire because scores would have been level at that point uh, if that if, if that had have um, materialised as, as a goal. Uh, from that point on, Clare do take a two point lead, but then Kilkenny don't look back. Then after that, uh, Owen Cody goal, and it's, and it seems like a game changing decision uh, from that point onwards. Yeah, but the the whistle the whistle was gone. Like you can clearly hear it, even in the stadium, you can hear the whistle was gone. I looked up the advantage rule before I came on the show because I figured mm. you might be chatting about it. And it's, it's plain and simple. If if after five seconds, the play has or the, the basically the, there's no sign of any advantage to the team. Now, you Lawler was going to catch the ball. He blew the whistle after that. So when you Lawler goes to touch it and goes to kind of basically rise, the whistle goes, and you then kind of stops. And Owen Murphy doesn't make doesn't really put in any effort stopping the ball. Like, if that whistle doesn't go, do you honestly think Owen Murphy would have stopped the bouncing ball straight at him in the game after pulling off the save that he did? So I, I, don't, I just don't buy that one. I think there might be a few other things that you might be able to look at uh, in the game. But for me, once the whistle goes instinctively, you just don't, you just stop. Mm. And you can clearly see that Hugh Lauder did. You can clearly see Owen Murphy did. So I get, I get the, the thing was that was after happening. Then you have the the own Cody incident. Then it's coming in along the end line. The referee plays advantage. Uh, Quilligan pulls off an outstanding save. The ball goes up in the air, and then the referee blows it, basically for for uh, advantage. Now, unfortunately, John Connell nearly gets decapitated um, by Tom Phelan in that instance, and then the Clare people are are really pissed off then. So then that's kind of two advantage decisions that haven't gone their way. And then you have the Wally Wells kind of people are talking about the dive. So there's just a few things that people were extremely aggravated. I just, I, I definitely would, well, I know people say you're stick, you're, you're basically a Kenny man anyway, should say it. But I think once the whistle goes, you Lawler stops. It's within the five seconds. The referee did nothing wrong. You Lawler catches that ball and no one says anything. You can kind of see O Murphy stop. To be fair, in other words, like breaking it down and showing when the whistle went and and who's moving when and where at that particular instant. But like when you do see that uh, camera shot from behind the goal, uh, there is a static O Murphy uh, between the posts, yes. and that's that. I think that kind of uh, speaks volumes towards that. As regards Claire getting to semi-finals and back-to-back years, this year's performance obviously was a lot better than than previous years. Is there a, a sense in saying, okay, fair enough, this is their level there's actually no shame in, in being one of the best four counties in the country uh, in back to back years you're just up against two pretty exceptional teams and in, in, in this case it just happens to be Kilkenny in back to back years because I don't think they can look back in this year with a huge and yesterday in particular with a huge amount of regret can they? No well, unless they, they listen to the voices outside the camp wondering why you're playing with a sweeper and all that and mm. The to- again, I'd be a little bit confused of the Tony Kelly, the positioning of him. Just 
even near the end when there was a free in when Clare needed a goal and Tony Kelly was back centre back. I was kind of thinking, I, I understand you're trying to pull a Mikey Butler into uh, an area where he doesn't he doesn't feel comfortable, but it just seems to me like the further up the field uh, Mikey Butler is, the, the happier he is. Like he set up on Cody for that one of the last points. He was Jesus. He was he was he was a man possessed there again in his attacking style. But Clare Clare are the exact same as uh, as kind of Limerick and Kenny they're just they're very very unfortunate with just their shot selection their their efficiency in front of the goal in any in, in that game in the Munster final last year in the Munster final this year they easily could have won they're just so close to getting over the line I suppose the only thing is time is running slightly out for the likes of a Tony Kelly who's heading into his 30s and Shane O'Donnell as well there is really kind of only one crack of it now over the next few years because those kind of generational players like Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell and, and a few others, those lads will move on. Like You would feel that next year is really kind of make or break for them. Uh, otherwise, then you have the likes of Cork that are going to come thunder and true. Then once again, you're going to have the likes of Tipperary, I'm sure will never be as bad as they are. And then again, you you again, Waterford with, with Davy in kind of year two, you'd look, you would think it's going to be very, very difficult for them if they don't win it next year. I, I can see that kind of boat um, sailing then for them. Mm. Uh, hurling, it is anyone's game. Off the ball has teamed up with senior hurling championship sponsors Borgosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has had on people's lives. For full competition details, you can visit www.borgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGEGAA. David, stay where you are. I want to talk uh, Saturday's game with you as well just after this. Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling, it's anyone's game Welcome back, we're looking back on the weekend's All-Ireland Hurling semi-finals Kilkenny Clare is in the books uh, And it was Limerick 224, Galway 118 on Saturday night Looked like it could have been a much, much different game Particularly as they approached half-time uh, at Crow Park on Saturday with Galway looking like they really could put a number on the All-Ireland Champions but it is Limerick who are back in another final David Herity joins us to look back on that game um, a lot of people talking about the tactics and, and those used by Henry Shefflin particularly in the second half uh, by Galway uh, on Saturday evening David and you do look at that first half performance and wonder why it was that Henry saw fit to essentially just leave one man up bring Colin Mannion and Colin Wheel back out of the game because they were causing untold damage to that Limerick defence on Saturday evening particularly in the first half They were all over the place Brian Concanon was absolutely outstanding it, it was just I couldn't get my head around why Limerick weren't trying to shut him down or how he was given the freedom of the park I thought he was outstanding God we were all over him and but the thing is you're wondering how much effort and energy it it, do, it it is to kind of come up against a team like Limerick. I don't think physically Galway are near where they're at um, up front with the likes of uh, all these are outstanding players. I'll throw that in there before but like Tom Monaghan and Evan Nyland uh, Kevin Cooney uh, Collins who came on um, even Fahey there I, I think physically they're, they're, they look like they're still developing and they're still quite young lads as far as their their age profile as well. I think myself that they're just if they if you're hitting against the likes of Will O'Donoghue and and Dunham and you're hitting against obviously Keen Lynch, Christ, he nearly killed that in the first half. You know you're coming up against your old Hegarty, Kyle Hayes. That's bound to take it out of you, and eventually you're going to wear a team down. 
they're just again on top of that they had absolutely no luck with the the Mike Casey save which he hasn't a, hasn't a clue where the ball is and yet it just somehow it hits off the hurl how he even had the hurl in the position that he did is beyond me he doesn't even have it in a ready position to try and make a, a control it's just lying on the ground and the ball hits off it but you're trying they're wearing you down Limerick are wearing you down and a bit like Clare in the in the Munster final they'll actually give you a chance you, you can you know they'll give you a chance to actually beat them the killer thing is you have to win a half time I would think about five or five points up plus in order to give you that bit of breathing space in the second half when that inevitable onslaught comes on that you have that bit of a cushion. The thing was, Claire had that Mark Rogers, uh, Nicky Quaid saved off him in the Munster final, so they didn't have that five points. And again, they're the last day. If that goal goes in, everyone's talking about Nicky Quaid and whatever tactics or whatever way you want to you want to talk about it. It's, it still doesn't stop the fact that if if Brian Concanon's goal goes into the back of the net, they're eight points up in the 31st minute, and then no one's talking about Quaid. So they just didn't have that bit of luck. They seem to have didn't have, possibly before half time. They they changed around their tactics and possibly wanted to win maybe four points up at half time and have that cushion. But Limerick just kept going and going and going, and they were just relentless up until half time. And to put in all that effort and just be one point up against Limerick, knowing the juggernaut that's going to come. And again, even at this stage, I often find that people are probably afraid of Limerick, that there's a little bit in their head, like, what are they going to do in the second half? Like, everyone's talking about Canark as if he is, and, he, and I have no doubt that he's an absolute genius, and what Caroline Curd is doing is absolutely genius, and it, it's it's psyching him up. Even they came out 70 seconds uh, after Galloway and Brennan Cummins talking about Caroline Curd, and that's definitely what she's doing, and they're playing mind games. There's such an aura about Limerick that everyone just feels that they have every single answer at the moment, um, and that's. But but I do think Kilkenny are a team that just don't buy into that BS. To be honest with you, uh, like I, I don't. I don't. What I'm trying to say there is, I don't think that there's anything too magical about what Limerick are doing. People have just built up these stories and stories, and that's why I just think Kilkenny, the mindset that they have, the fact that they played in All Ireland, the fact that a lot of lads have won them there. I don't think they'll buy into him. I just think that they'll have full belief, especially after only getting back by two points last year in the other final, that they'll be well able to compete with them and beat them in a in a final and have the ability to beat them. And that's why I think it's going to be an absolute cracking final. We'll get back to the final in a moment. There's, there's a couple of things in, in Saturday's game that, you know, obviously uh, drew everybody's attention. The Nicky Quaid incident, what was it, 10 minutes to go to halftime or just a little bit before that? where he had his helmet off, it's seemingly um, a contact lens issue or possibly a contact with the heads issue. Um, There's talk of gamesmanship, and I know Dave Fitzgerald has called this out this morning as well. (laughs) What did you make of that? Because obviously you're in a special position being a former goalkeeper, being a goalkeeper to, to know about these things. That came at a very necessary time for Limerick to take the sting out of the game, to take the momentum, and, and Shefflin has, has pretty much admitted it did as much, uh, take the momentum away from Galway in that particular instance. What did you? What was your makings of it? Everyone's doing it. Like uh, you look at Owen Murphy did it when Jason Flynn got a goal in the Leinster final. He went down, ball went into his right hand side, and he he took the helmet off, and there was nothing said. You know, Sean Brennan did it against. Uh, Galway against Dublin. Galway got the goal and Sean Brennan took the helmet off there as well. You look at Amy Lee in the Camogie yesterday. She took the helmet off, she, you know, and, and went with the contacts there again. So everyone's doing it except Limerick do it better. And I think everyone's just pissed off because they do it better. And and it, when any team, you know, if if a team gets a run on you, you always have kind of your couple of lads designated to go down. Every team should. doesn't If you, if you don't, you're, you're ill-prepared, to be honest with you. You have a lad to go down, but they... Then when someone goes down, 
generally nothing happens from the management side of things. Like as in, like you start roaring at a few lads and you might have, you might get a few players to kind of talk to each other, but very little information is put in when you're kind of watching teams, when, when their designated player goes down, very little information goes, goes in. Limerick, however, take this opportunity to call over Peter Casey to get the words into him. He spreads the words out and they change up the formation and they, they crowd midfield. That's the difference between Limerick. They just don't do something for the sake of doing it. Everything is a structure. Everything is is put in place. They have all these plans in place. Uh, like the big surprising thing for me is why didn't Galway do it then? You know, when when Limerick started getting on top, just to get into half time, they're after scoring maybe four points in a row. They're just coming up to half time. Why didn't they just put someone down and basically try and just drag it out? to halftime, waste a minute or two. I just think there's a lot of people online pissed off because Limerick are doing everything better than them. When you say designated, like we obviously don't know if, if Limerick do or don't do that, but you know, when you say that they're, every team has a designated player, like is that chosen in training? Is that chosen at a certain point in the season? Is that uh, a tactic that will be reminded uh, of the players just before a game, before you go out? None of the teams I'm involved with. But <laughs> it, go on. You would, yeah. You'd have, you'd have, it has to be an intelligent lad that's going to go down. Like you yeah. can't just have. And again, you can't have a corner forward going down if you if they obviously you want a lad going down when they're after scoring. So no one cares about the corner forward. Everyone's just looking up this way. But even just say you saw the Kildare footballers, the full back. I forget his name. His full back went down. The referee came over and gave him a yellow card for going down against Ross Common. Like it can't be the full back either because it's a case of. You know, we can play on without you. John Donnelly went down yesterday and, and Colin Lines went, no, get up. It has to be the goalkeeper. But it can be one other lad, but it has to be an instant. There has to be some sort of a, a physical bit of physical contact that actually happens. But it has to be an intelligent lad in the team. You can't just... Otherwise, you have some lad going down and you're kind of going, what are you going down for? Like, as in, you know, it, it actually takes a very intelligent lad to kind of cop on. We've conceded three points. The, the run of play is going against us or whatever, four points. I need to go down there at this stage. Um, otherwise, you just have anyone dropping down. In one game, they're sure even that good the Galway goal that went in against Dublin, the cornerback went down and Sean Brennan went down. So his lads just dropping. Obviously, everyone was just panicking and going, geez, Galway are after getting a goal. Let's just hit the ground. And it just looked like someone offloaded a grenade. So it has to be clever and it has to be timed what you're doing. And then you have to make sure if someone does go down, what are we going to do? Yeah. Do, the, do the players get together in a little huddle? Does the centre forward gather in the, the six forwards and go... Clearly, they're after scoring a lot. We need to work harder. We need to kind of come deeper here for the ball, whatever it is. But it, it's important that you're not just falling down for the sake of it. Have a plan put in place for it. What we, like, we're obviously having a, a bit of a joke around it, but there is a, a serious side issue to it in that there are um, head injuries that obviously come into play and there's a lot of uh, duty of care around players. If they do suffer a genuine head injury, this kind of stuff... I'm not saying Nicky Quaid's necessarily on Saturday is exactly that because we don't know the nature of, of of why he was taking the helmet off. It did seem to be around his eyes, but there is a concern around head injuries, particularly at the moment. You don't want to see laws around that stretched and t- to the point where everyone is suspect then if they go down with a knock to the head. Oh, well, that's why they go with the whole concussion thing. Or sorry, not concussion, the, the, the contact lens thing because you can't... What I'd actually love if the referee just goes into the ref, the, the goalkeeper before the match. And normally a referee does come in and he, how are you doing? Uh, don't don't take the puck out before the whistle goes. Don't step outside the square. They usually crack. They tell you those two things. Mm. But I'd love if they just ask the question: Do you wear contact lenses before the match? And then kind of the, if the ref, if the, the the goalkeeper says no, you're like right, that's that excuse out of the way. You clearly cannot go down with a contact lens 
injury, fair enough. If you do, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll have to give the full back, has to take the pocket. But you're right in what you're saying. So many people are diving nowadays to try and get, there's a few things, either to, to waste time to try and get lads yellow carded or sent off, or else they're trying to obviously kill the momentum of the opposition team. But it, it's it's... It's a disease that is absolutely ripping through hurling at the moment. This whole feigning injury and going down and taking dives. It, it is just all over the place in the GA. And we've obviously seen it just this year. We did we had a couple of lads sent off there this year uh, for our own team with, with Calair. And it, again, when you look back in it, you see very little instance is going on. But it's just teams are clever enough. They understand how valuable an extra player is nowadays in, on your team. And... Uh, the, the cutthroat nature of everything is is just the fact that you'll do anything you can to win. Mm. So, but I agree with you. Concussion. It's going to take one of these days. A referee, unfortunately, is going to call someone's bluff and and think no, there's nothing wrong with you, and try and get them up or whatever. And it's there's going to be an instance the way things are going at the moment. I think you've just ensured that every goalkeeper, if that question is ever asked, does say yes. I do actually wear contact lenses, Your Honor. Um, on the final itself, and I will <clears throat> probably get into deeper detail about it closer to the event. And just under a fortnight's time but you mentioned there that Kilkenny won't be afraid of Limerick in the same way that other teams possibly have been so far this season and Limerick certainly uh, or sorry Galway seems certainly were uh, on Saturday this is a final play without fear and I think that's what makes it all the more attractive yeah and they don't have a massive amount of baggage either like they're, not, they're not playing against them in uh, in Munster Championships year in year out they played them last year in the All-Ireland Final they, they played them again in 19 and they bet them. So if you're looking at the last two times they played each other, it's one each and this mm. is kind of the, the next battle. So again, if you look at the the, the biggest thing for me with uh, why Kilkenny, why I thought Kilkenny would win yesterday is their bench. To have the likes of Richie Hogan to bring on Wally Welsh, Killian Buckley, Park Welsh and obviously then Keane Kenny and then you have the likes of, you know, Billy Drennan didn't even get on the field there yesterday. Kilkenny have a, an incredible bench that if, if again, the, the, the muck is hitting the fan, they can head to that bench. They have the confidence. And then even the way Owen Cody spoke about these lads, seeing a Wally Welch coming onto the field or seeing a Richie Hogan, you know, and the lads I just mentioned there coming onto the field, that's going to give you some burst of energy rather than some rookie young lad who's, who's maybe 21, who has done very little, who's never won all Ireland. These lads have all won it on the biggest stage before, have put in serious performances for Kilkenny over the space of the last 10 years. So I think it's the fact that Kilkenny have that bench to be able to equal when when you know, Limerick bring on the Graham O'Cahys or to bring on Cahill O'Neill's that Kenny have a, a panel there to actually match them. And I and I, the brilliant thing is that Derek Ling has shown in the last two games he's not afraid to bring on the players. He has trust in the bench. The bench now know that 20 lads probably are guaranteed that they're going to play in the final. Possibly in other years that might have been one of the things that was set up against Brian that he would wait and wait until the game was pretty much over before he bring on someone at times in, in a final. But Derek Ling definitely has trust in the 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 actual subs bench. That's why I think Kilkenny have a great chance um, right up until the final minute that they have game changers there. A great chance, but can they beat them? I do. I Like last year when we were all talking about it, whether they'd beat Limerick, everyone was like, ah, they have a great chance. Like, you know, but there's a lot of belief. Sorry, there was a lot of hope in everyone's voice. Like, everyone was going up for a good old battle, but I don't think anyone really and truly believed last year. I would be amazed if people don't have that inner belief, proper belief there this year. And I'd say with the panel of players there as well, even with the management team there behind them, I'd be amazed if uh, they're not absolutely buzzing and if there's not a whole different level of of real kind of 
inner belief, even even within the team, just that togetherness just seems to be so evident within the Kilkenny squad there, the way that they celebrate after the Leinster final. Again, the way they were out in the field, I, I, I'd be 100%. If you look at Owen Cody, listen, never listen to him in an interview after the game. The man is absolutely wired. Like, he fully believes. It's, it's like someone is constantly in his ear, pissing him off, thinking that they're all saying this about you, Owen. You realise they're all saying this about you, and they're saying this about Leinster, and saying this about Kilkenny. Like, in his interviews afterwards, he's so bloody passionate. He's, like, him as captain, Derek Ling as manager, uh, with that panel of players, I'd, um, yeah, I... I I wouldn't see any reason why Kenny wouldn't be Limerick is my slight favourites but Kenny with a great chance Alright David Herity thanks so much for taking time out this evening to speak to us about uh, what was a brilliant uh, weekend's hurling and I'm sure it will be again in a fortnight's time David thank you Thanks very much Richie Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling It's anyone's game